0: Everybody. Welcome back to But Why the Podcast. And today we're celebrating Jaws' 45th anniversary by going into why it matters. And if you stay through to the end of the show, you can find out how to enter our giveaway, which will be the 45th anniversary limited edition 4K Ultra HD Blu ray of Jaws. As always, I'm Kate. I'm here with Adrian.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: I'm Matt. Hello. And yeah, the guy who did our Shark Week episode is going to do our Jaws episode because, I mean, sharks and science. So Matt, take it away.
2: Uh, yes, obviously I'm doing this, not only because I did the Shark Week episode and not only because Jaws is kind of in a weird spot or whatever with sharks, but also because I need to shame Kate and Adrian for taking this long and leaving this movie out for all it's done for so long.
0: Okay. So it's technically not Adrian's fault because Adrian was given zombies to do for that horror episode, but technically those episodes are no longer available. So it doesn't count as me forgetting it. This is a brand new start and a brand new, brand new slate.
1: And thirdly, thirdly, you've been on for now like over a hundred something episodes and (laughs)
0: this is the first time we're doing it so
1: (laughs) this is just as much your
0: fault matt
2: (laughs) i was waiting for the right moment which is maybe we just waited
1: for the 45th anniversary maybe that's what we were waiting for the entire time who knows
2: nobody cares about um, the 43rd or 42nd you gotta get a nice (laughs) solid zero or five and i know Um, that thing that you said
1: is like real but can we just talk about like how ridiculous like ultra hd 4k jaws 45th anniversary sounds that is a mouthful yeah. and doesn't even sound like a down. 4K Ultra HD Blu
0: ray and a digital copy like of HD Jaws, or... a movie that came out 45 years ago.
1: No, I'm like, like but like the whole like 4K HD Ultra in depth shark movie. Can we just say like ultra, ultra HD now? Do we have to keep saying all these other
2: things?
0: Oh, yes. yeah, I don't know the difference. I think it makes. I haven't played with our four K T V but
2: I, I know at should. some point your eyes can actually not actually see any of the stuff they keep saying. That's all I know. We don't see in colors. Or we do see in colors, but we don't see like in cones and other UB and other weird
1: shit. Yeah, and I'm also just like like how is that gonna how are they doing that for a night a movie that came out in like nineteen seventy, whatever? Like how's that gonna work? I'm curious. Very curious.
0: The cool thing is is the because it's the anniversary edition it's actually a still case and it comes with a 44 page booklet with introduction rare photos storyboard and like a whole bunch of stuff that got archived away so even if your eyes don't notice the difference in 4k you get a whole bunch of other jaws stuff
1: you cannot see the shark in 4k just like they not saw the shark in 1975
2: (laughs) (laughs) cool now that we did our whole promo um can we actually get on with the episode?
1: Oh no. Yes, no. yes, 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 Matt. Take us through the sharks, buddy.
2: All right. Um. So as our introduction question goes, um, kind of a generic one as always. Do have you watched Jaws? And kind of more thing, have you watched it recently? And I guess Kate, you can go first.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah, so this is one of my dad's favorite movies. He loved Jaws. I learned the dun dun from him in a pool um so i did that uh so i really liked it growing up we watched it all the time i have been i haven't seen it in a really long time and i've been wanting to do one of those uh down here in austin they have it where you go into a pool and draft house puts it on and you watch jaws in a pool um obviously covid so no that's not gonna happen but that has been on my bucket list of things to do, especially in Austin, but I haven't seen it in probably maybe eight years, seven years. I was still in college, like undergrad college at the time, so it's been a while.
2: Nice. Um, Adrian? I've
1: I've seen it. I haven't watched it in years. Um, I mean, this is like this movie is the whole reason why my mom still doesn't go into the ocean. Like now, when we go to like <laughs> California and stuff. <laughs> um and why when I saw dolphins in the ocean that I thought were sharks that were like fifteen feet away from me, I ran back to this the shore. I thought they were <laughs> sharks and I was gonna die. I Neither mean, were dolphins, I could have died anyway, but still. Um I haven't watched this movie in years. I'm much more of a was it was a deep blue sea, what's the one with LL Cool J? Or is that Jaws 3? Or, that's
0: that that's deep blue sea. That's yeah, deep I'm, sea
1: I'm much more of a deep blue sea guy I want to see <laughs> I want to see people stab sharks with crosses. Um, so i haven't seen
0: smart <laughs> sharks
1: i haven't seen it in years uh, so i don't know like how well it holds up or like you know maybe 4k hd will make it hold up better I, I'm, not, I'm not sure i haven't watched it in probably i would probably say around this Kate when i was an undergrad so it's been been quite a while since i've seen it
2: Nice. Yeah, it's actually been quite a while since I've seen it, too. Obviously, I don't have TV, because I know this was, like, one of the famous movies. Obviously, there's a bunch of, like, we're going to play this on TNT, like, every weekend or something like that. And so, obviously, I've seen it quite a bit uh, growing up. And then, obviously, just it was all over the place and thing. It's definitely a movie that we'll probably get it, Then I'll get into later. Just, like, it's kind of torn of, like, I really like this movie, but I also really hate this movie. And there's just a lot of reasons to go with that and stuff. But I guess just to get into the background, Jaws, uh, the movie came out in 1975. It's based on a book written by Peter Benchley uh, in 1974 by basically the same name, even though I think he was going to name it something different. Um, Peter Benchley is also basically notable for The Deep, The Island Beat, and a movie called Creature, even though kind of originally called White Shark, along with a bunch of other stuff. Uh, we'll get into him a lot more later. Um, some of the influences from this basically kind of like Moby Dick inspired. And whatnot else so it was actually produced by richard zucknick and david brown who actually bought the film right to jaws in 1973 um before a year before the book was even published and essentially it's like the zucknick brown like co- production company even though the technically like, universal pictures i don't know i didn't go into all that thing of how that happened but uh whatnot and obviously they selected steven spielberg to direct this movie um, a giant concept. If you have not seen Jaws, which is kind of be a weird thing, and I more have more questions about you than this movie. Basically, a woman is swimming at night. She gets eaten by a shark. Her remains wash up, and then they basically go hunting for this shark. Um, they try to catch some other sharks. They claim they've caught the shark, so they open the beach back up. They caught. They didn't catch the shark. More people get eaten. They go out on a big bo- on a boat, which they say they need a bigger boat to catch the shark. And that's Jaws in a nutshell.
0: So more specifically, a woman is have they're like, having like a barn fire on the beach, a bonfire on the beach, and she decides to go skinny dipping. Um, and it is probably one of the best horror movie op- openings ever, um, and one of the best opening scenes to a movie ever because she's just like having fun and swimming, and then she gets eaten. Um, but it's also one of the, the film's most iconic pieces, and it usually ends up on a lot of the horror movie lists for for intros. I think it's on mine, actually, on the site. Um, but also, it makes sense Universal Pictures bought rights to it because Universal and creature features go hand in hand.
2: Yes. Um, obviously, that was a bit more detail. I just kind of gave the very Cliff Notes, Spark Notes version of this movie. Um, the funny thing is, um, there is kind of like... Kind of with, like, Psycho, per se, from last week's episode, there is kind of a quote-unquote franchise, even though it's not really, it doesn't exist, but kind of, they kind of mention it throughout some of the other movies. Uh, Basically, there's four movies of Jaws, Um, (laughs) so I'll kind of go over those, and this ran from 1975, starting with the first one, and 1987 is when the last one came out. So we get Jaws 1 um 1975 it actually has a 98 on rotten tomatoes there are apparently two people one person from 2004 one person from 2013 who did not like this movie and i do not like I don't those like people that. yeah like get out of the way um Where it has they a, say a the IMD...
1: wasn't big enough like what, what was what is their reasoning for that? one
2: said it was kind of like boring or something like that another one just said like care with characters and i'm like what the, the, it made no sense once again there's 80 something reviews on here and you got to have two morons to be quite honest Um, Then we get to the fun part. Um, Jaws 2 does exist. Came out in 1978. Has a Rotten Tomato score of 60 and IMDb score of 5.8. And that movie is not great. It's definitely not even close, but it's not complete dumpster fire. And then they decided, hey, let's keep making more Jaws movies. And this is when we get a dumpster fire fire about as, as bad as you can get territory of jaws 3d in 1983 has a 10 on rotten tomatoes and an imdb rating of 3.7 it is rated one of the bottom worst rated number 71st worst movie on imdb <laughs> and that's a lot of movies though, that don't realize.
0: i want to know if piranha 3d is rated worse than jaws 3d
2: I don't know. Obviously, for those of you who may not have seen this movie, they pick Jaws and they put him in an aquarium. And then Jaws makes an aquarium and he like growls like a tiger when he's going after the divers. And you're like, it is absurd. <laughs> it is terrible. And that's not even including the effects of the 3D, which are the most horrible thing in the world, we'll see. What?
0: Piranha 3D has a 74.
1: Dang.
2: Wait, what? <laughs> What?
0: Yes, <laughs> I'm shocked.
2: Well, thing is, they decided to make even more Jaws movies, in which they made Jaws: The Revenge in 1987, and out of 35 reviews, it has a Rotten Tomato score of zero. Oh, <laughs> that is. I'm, I'm sure there are other movies on there, but this is the first one we've talked about where I've ever seen a movie have a zero. <laughs> Um, has an IMDb rating of three and is ranked the 29th worst movie on IMDb. Um, for those of you who've never seen that movie, um, they kind of try to take like one of the family members of the movie from like the first movie, and she has like horror, traumatic, like flashbacks of movie scenes that she was not even involved in, but apparently she knows memories, um, and that's apparently this shark is hunting her family members or something over time um it is it, it thing it had a tagline of this is personal um
0: it's i looked up what other movies have zeros on rotten tomatoes and it's in very bad company oh i'm
2: sure it is this movie is completely <laughs> awful these two movies are some of the worst movies in the world but i did want to mention them because they technically are jaws sequels um one of the, we have so fir- many
1: bad jurassic park sequels
2: I can tell you right now, any Jurassic Park movie, it kind of is, Um, to be honest, it's funny because uh, Steven Spielberg does Jaws, and then he literally does not do any of the other movies, straight up saying sequels are just crappy rip-offs, essentially money grabs, and does not bother to do any of the other stuff. Basically, in Roy Snyder, who stars in the first movie, kind of the captain, I can't remember what the heck his name is, in the first movie, essentially, he only comes back for the second movie because he's actually forced to by Universal under contract. So basically, everybody dipped and he's yeah. basically in there. Um, fun fact about this, well, as we're kind of going this quote-unquote franchise thing, there's actually some video games. There's, like, four of them. Um, there's, like, a few of them. They have Jaws from 1987, the NES. Um, I've never seen this game or played it. Um, I looked The color look familiar. Whatever. Um, apparently, there was a Universal Studios theme park um, adventure game that came out for the GameCube in 2001 called The Jaws Level, and they have a Jaws level on it. And then they have, basically for 2006, for the PlayStation 2 and Xbox, they have on Unleashed. I do remember this game. I don't know if you all played this game or saw this game.
0: I want to play this game, I uh, think.
2: It's kind of like the first version of like what we have as Maneater today that just came out a few mm. weeks ago. Except the last thing, you kind of the shark and you attack people and everything else obviously the game got like a four out of ten rating it's awful there's a bunch of glitches i didn't bother to i've seen it i remember it coming out didn't bother to play it because i remember it was rated so poorly um apparently in 2011 for the wii and gamecube there was jaws ultimate predator no idea this game existed
0: i mean i had no idea any of these jaws games existed.
2: i knew jaws unleashed existed i did not know about the other three And then obviously we have a few mobile games, and there's of course a pinball game, because every 1970s and 80s movies has a pinball machine game, Um, that's a given. Apparently there was a mobile game that came out like last year for Jaws on Android and iOS, I don't know, I don't care about mobile games that much, and I definitely don't care about a Jaws mobile game. Um, We've talked about toys and merch on uh, on our episodes quite often with some of these franchises, Um, one of the goals, especially with Jaws 2, was to make every tie-in possible of toys, Um, So they have, like, top cards, they have beach towels, cups, there was other random, like, just any type of merch they could come up with, and they weren't even necessarily toys, per se, but any type of tie-in they could come up with for Jaws, especially, like I said, moving into the second one, after the first one was so successful, they did. Um, That's why we have so much Jaws merchandise, and it's basically one of the things. Obviously, it's funny, because by this time of Jaws 2, I think Star Wars had already taken off, or had happened the year before, and we kind of talked about that. And those episodes of, like, how the merch and everything's involved. And, uh, Jaws 2 did the exact same thing in other Jaws films.
0: I just want to know who buys Jaws beach merchandise to take to the beach in which they might see Jaws.
2: I have no idea. (laughs) But apparently it was a big thing. Um...
0: Adrian just said he ran out of the water when he thought he saw a Jaws.
2: (laughs) I don't know. But apparently that was a huge thing. Um... Obviously, that we have the famous Universal Studios theme park ride in Orlando. It was a staple for the park, but actually apparently it closed down in 2012. Oh. Um, did not know that. There's also apparently another Jaws ride that is still available in Universal, Japan. Universal Studios, Japan. Did not know that the park closed down. This is kind of like following like the trend of Jurassic Park, which is kind of the same thing, because it's obviously just 20 years before it or something at this point. Um, <clears throat> but you can see a lot of the stuff... Because I kind of took the notes from Jurassic Park to make this episode, and it's just funny seeing, like, as we said, like, the blueprint, and then, like, what you see with Jurassic Park and trying unusual stuff. Um, The fun fact that we always do on here, there are basically two musicals for Jaws, and there's apparently another one that was supposed to come out this year or next year. I don't know if that's happening, but apparently there are two musicals, one from 2004 called Jaws, a musical. There was one also in 2006 called Giant Killer Shark, the musical. And then apparently there was one coming this year... And next year, Bruce, and basically it was called Bruce, and then it was basically the Jaws-themed musical about the filming of Jaws.
0: I'm interested in giant killer shark.
2: Yes, apparently musicals do exist. So, Adrian, you can get a musical for even Jaws.
1: Yeah, um, the musical for the new te- for the one that's coming out is A Man, a Mechanical Shark, and the Making of a Masterpiece is a tagline for this upcoming musical um, and Jaws having multiple musicals was not on my but why though the podcast bingo card
2: literally yeah. at all
1: <laughs> not on my list well, this, let alone what three. did we
0: just do what did we just do that didn't have one that was surprising
2: Psycho I don't remember didn't
1: have one well, well we, know uh, we didn't have
2: one there was one whatever the episode before that was I don't remember I think it was, was there it was signed?
0: one where See, Seinfeld doesn't have one, but there was one where Adrian was like, this has to have a musical, and then it didn't, and we were all... Asleep.
2: You know, it was funny because I had already almost, like, completed these notes, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and look for a musical just for, you know, kind of, for giggles, you know, because we always do it on the thing, and all of a sudden they popped up, do you have three... I was like, oh, they do have musicals about Jaws. I was not expecting this, but uh, I will put I it in there." I
0: think it here. was
2: Predator. Oh, Predator yeah. was the one that didn't have a... Um. So, yeah. <clears throat> So, we kind of mentioned at the top of the show um, about our giveaway, so before we get into our butt why, though, let's kind of talk about that a little bit more. So,
0: one of the really, really cool things that we have going on to celebrate JAWS 45th Anniversary is we're going to be giving away four JAWS 45th Anniversary Limited Edition Blu-rays. They're available now, they're really, really cool, so you can look them up on the internet, see how they look. But the cool thing is, is their 4K Ultra HD for the first time ever, it includes three hours of extra bonus content, and it has a limited edition combo pack with lenticular packaging that includes the 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray, and digital code of the film, along with the 44-page booklet with introductions, rare photos, storyboards, and more, all from the archive. The cool thing is, is that all of that bonus content includes a making of Jaws, deleted scenes, and outtakes from the set. So there's a lot there for y'all to dig into. And if you want to enter to win, please head over to our social media platforms, like, follow, do all those things. Uh, We'll have a post going on each of our social media platforms, and we'll be pulling winners from there, So do that, run over there, and get a chance to get this amazing limited edition copy of Jaws.
2: Awesome. <clears throat> Hope everybody is excited for that, as I am. That, that seems like a lot of good stuff. Um, So now, to get into the but-why-those. As I always start off with, a successful franchise, but not today. Because basically the rest of the movie sucked, and Jaws is the <laughs> only one that matters. Um, people don't even realize those other ones exist, and to be... Jaws, the first movie, actually made more money than all of the other three movies combined.
0: <laughs> I know that Jaws 3D exists. <laughs>
2: so there is no successful franchise. They just happen to make sequels that nobody cared about, and they're obviously some of the worst movies ever made, according to IMDb. Um, so. So let's kind of go into the first one. We'll talk about Jaws 1975 and just basically how successful this movie was. Um... Jaws Adjusted for Inflation is the seventh highest domestic grossing film of all time. Basically, it made $1.2 billion when you adjust for inflation, and they made that on a $9 million budget. So, it made a lot of money. Um, it has an estimated 128 million tickets were sold to watch this movie. Um, to kind of put it in perspective, um, Endgame only sold about 95 million tickets. Um, so you can kind of see the difference when you start moving, which is obviously why yeah. I don't really care about box office records anymore. Because when you look at ticket values, people aren't actually going to see movies as much as they used to. Um, it was the first featured film to basically not only break hundred million, but it was also to break two hundred thirty million domestically. As the Exorcist, The Exorcist hit two hundred thirty million, kind of like in this like overall. Um, um, overall like worldwide box office like two years before so it kind of was like the highest or whatever for that but then it kind of did um it was the highest grossing movie of all time at the time with a massive 470.7 million dollars and yeah. kind of put it in perspective that's not even probably the record for the opening weekend anymore at this point i mean it yeah. it, it is but not much um it also broke the o- record for the opening weekend of seven million dollars
0: <laughs> this was the first summer blockbuster right
2: Yes, it is. Um, if you'd let me go into that. Um, oh, you're talking about money. Yeah. Um, it was the first movie to open in over 400 movie theaters in the U.S. And also, from more perspective, that In Game opened in six fourth. Excuse me, In opened in four thousand six hundred sixty-two theaters in the U.S. And Jaws opened in four hundred. These are they, very
0: different timelines.
1: Yeah. do they have like uh like re-releases? You know, like how like like in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s, they would like re-release the movies. They did, did a little.
2: That? I think they had a small one, I think, for, like, the 25th or 30th anniversary or something. I think it was, like, in 2000, but it definitely wasn't kind of like... It was just a small little thing. It wasn't like um, what we've seen with some of the other ones. Kind of like even... Because I think even Jurassic Park was larger, but from what I saw, I think they had a small one. But most of this money was all made, like, in this first run. Cool. Um, So, yeah. Um, It had won 14 awards. It was obviously very simple. It won 14 awards, had 19 other nominations, it actually won three Oscars, um, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, and Best Music, but it actually lost Best Picture to One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That's not
0: the name of it. Huh? It's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Whatever.
2: Sets. I don't care about that movie. It's an <laughs> overrated movie.
0: No, it's not. That's a that's a classic and a good one. An actual good one. Jack Nicholson is
2: in... I mean, it's not bad, probably... but it's definitely not better than Jaws. It's better than Jaws. Sorry. Oh yeah! Gosh, thank you, Adrian. <laughs> it's a better well, movie than Jaws. Jaws <laughs> so, is yes. great, and I
1: know we've had, like a lot of these, like, "Oh man, this lost to this," but like that one's that one's hard to argue against. Like that's a
2: oh yeah. no, it's easy to argue against, especially when you go by you how much money and how much other stuff. Do in the background there?
0: He's shaming you for saying that <laughs> it was bad. But
2: you, that you know movie what? Is great. I'm glad you all are arguing this because I'm now about to go into this whole thing about, like the big kind of controversy and what starts from it actually losing to one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. That's um,
0: not what it's called. One who flew... That's what I wrote.
2: Whatever. The one, one who flew,
1: flew over. over the cookies.
2: <laughs> I don't care. Anyways. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Jaws is are said to be the first summer blockbuster. And as much as successful as this movie was, and it was the highest grossing film of this year, highest grossing film of all time, it's actually rated super high. Steven Spielberg actually didn't even get nominated for Best Director. Um, and he was super pissed about it. It's um. okay because money doesn't matter, Matt. You just said that. Maybe
1: if well, the movie was better. If maybe if the movie was better, he would have oh, gotten nominated.
0: Gosh. Yeah, this movie did a lot more
2: than Cuckoo Nest movie for Hollywood. So, <laughs> cuckoo Nest movie. Yep. Um, so as I said, Steven Spielberg was pissed about this. Um, they actually said at this point, um, this is a time where we see the change in the Academy caring about kind of like this high grossing film and like this blockbuster stuff um basically he was mad because essentially people loved this movie when it came out it did it but then as it made more and more money he started all of a sudden getting backlash for the movie and basically listening to like what you people are talking about um essentially they start taking the movie not seriously they basically devalued it and basically by the time it came around he never even got nominated or anything which is funny because they told this whole entire thing of this is kind of like starting with these high-concept movies, which I'll kind of talk about a little bit more, to where everybody talks about how Star Wars won all these Oscars like two years later, but actually it lost Best Director and Best Picture.
0: So, this is a long history of the Academy going against genre film. So as much as it also ties into like, them discrediting blockbusters. It also has a lot to do with the Academy refusing to give Oscars to anything outside of, like, effects, sound, all that stuff, to things like horror, comedy, um, and action films. Right. Just because they don't see it as highbrow enough. Right. I do believe that One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was deserving, but when you look back in the history of the Academy, you have things that lose that should not have lost except like, this is the very first
2: time about. where we see this big instance apparently and see this whole thing of like there's actually pushback like the fact that steven spielberg was not even nominated for a drive in this thing yeah. is pretty bad um especially considering like if we kind of move on from this whole thing of this is rated as one of the, like the best movies of all time you can look at it basically in any list um, whether it's a horror genre list or, you know, like a horror list, a genre list, or just a general film list in general, this movie is rated high on pretty much every list, whether it be like an American film institution, you know, E! Entertainment, whatnot else. I mean, in 2001, the Library of Congress put it as, basically, it was added to the Library of Congress for a landmark on horror film and the first quote-unquote summer movie. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, obviously, the Academy had a long list, but this is probably the first time, because as much as the other one... Not saying it was a bad movie, but, like, and we make fun of summer blockbusters, this movie actually still holds up today. This movie actually had, like, all of the actual being a good movie for once and not just uh, Michael Bay. And so it kind of, it's kind of like the first big instance of this happening. And the fact that he, like, didn't even get n- snubbed. He was very pissed and very vocal about that.
0: just should have been. But One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest deserved it. But it he did, should did. have at least been nominated. That, I mean, we just went through that, uh, this, like, I know a lot of people in horror and in and, and fantasy and stuff, they were just talking about how, like, essentially, every now and again, you get a big win, and then the Academy overcorrects, so, like, Return of the King sweeping the Oscars, that didn't happen again until Shape of Water came in and did that as well, and now we're never gonna see any sort of genre film win for, like, the next ten years. Probably. It's gonna suck.
2: Yes. But obviously, you can go in and there's a long list of it as you've mentioned um, brought up. But this was seem to be the very first one that we could find and big one that was mentioned. Um, so obviously there was a lot of stuff. It was a very successful movie. But um, the next, but why they would be actually making this movie? And um, this basically movie went through production and development and hell of all sorts. Um, there's probably even a lot more that I'm not going to even talk about within doing this. I just kind of there was so much in here that like I kind of just. Did as best as I could, obviously for time purposes and whatnot. But the first thing I want to say is, first of all, apparently the very first idea was they were going to train a great white shark. Um
1: <laughs> Dude, that? That person must have gotten fired like the next day, right? That it's was a like, producer's like that meme. It's that meme of like of like them uh, giving out ideas like we have to make a movie about a shark. And then one guy's like, let's let's just train a shark. And he gets, like, yeeted out of the window. Like, that has to be that meme for sure. Because that is just a ridiculous idea.
2: Yes. Um, but from everything I saw, this was apparently their first idea. They realized it was impossible. And they also <laughs> realized that great whites in captivity die super young. Usually due to depression and everything else.
0: Hold on. You say they realized? Did they go through testing before they realized?
2: I think they went. Or through... did
0: somebody like knock it down right then and there? So that's what I could find, so things. what I could find
2: is basically they floated this idea. Like I said, I don't know how much is right because obviously this is like forty-five years ago and even longer than that because this is like they apparently they floated this idea and then they went to go talk to people like zoologists in the in the aquariums and the aquarium people were just like, uh, "No, this you can't even keep these creatures in captivity." let alone train this stuff. Like, a great white shark can live almost up to 75 years. They usually die in in at in, in captivity by, like, 11, 12 years. Oh, wow. Because usually depression and stress and everything else. Um, so, basically, they floated the idea. They went to talk to people, and they basically looked at them like, you're crazy. Um, these creatures die, and you're definitely not training one. Um, how much further than that, I have no idea. That was, like, 45 years ago and whatever... Most of these people sadly are dead by now. I, we don't know, but that's all I found was apparently their very first idea was they were gonna train a great white.
0: To be fair, if somebody were to try and came in great great white, he's in this room right now.
2: All I know is <laughs> I don't all I know is I read that and I just kept laughing and that's why I just wanna be like, first of all these people thought they were going to train a great white, and that's about the the epitome and the microcosm of how bad this it takes I would
0: get. like somebody who is listening right now to make us that meme that Adrian said. Because <laughs> they need it. <laughs> and it's like, no, this isn't funny. It's based on a true story.
2: Like said, obviously, I don't think they made it far, but apparently this was the first idea. Obviously, Can then you we... imagine
0: being that zoologist, though? Like, what's your <laughs> response to that? So... <laughs> Like, hey, we want to trade a great white for this movie. And, like, just being on that phone call and being a scientist and being, like,
1: y'all real dumb. Yeah, we're going I mean, like to trade a white It's going to be fine.
2: <laughs> Get the cheese knife, Lassie. You'll be fine. Um, like I said, sadly, at this point, there's also not a lot of shark science. I don't know how many people actually know about sharks other than they're, like creatures and for the public form i don't know that's so just
0: someone what... who wasn't even specified in there had to take that call and be like no <laughs> we don't even know a lot about these creatures you're not training one
2: i don't know but that's just what i got instead they ended up making three mechanical sharks basically a full one that we've all seen before and then a left and a right one that weighed like half a ton to basically almost a ton um and it took like 14 operators to control this shark you know, um and so they obviously made this you had to move this giant shark on uh, the sharks on uh cranes they moved them around and spielberg trying to be obviously young and experienced because this is like not his first movie but like one of his first like kind of like trying to jump start everything um he just said we're gonna we want the real effect of we're gonna film this on the ocean and so this is the first major motion picture to be shot on the ocean and that sounds great and we see all the great stuff we see in the movie but also this was probably the most horrible disaster ever, of which basically the mechanical sharks kept failing just because they were being made. And then obviously being in the water and trying to do them underwater and everything else, they basically, these sharks cost them a lot of money and it was a pain. Um, the orca, which is the boat in the movie, actually were sinking at one time and they had to go save the crew. Um, people got seasick. Someone nearly got decapitated by a propeller. Uh, they constantly got <laughs> sunburnt. Um, they were overworked. Um, it was so bad that the crew and other people involved in this movie literally nicknamed this movie "Flaws" and the "Great White Turd," but they called this movie being on shoot, and they kind of put this in perspective of like how bad and stuff it was in general. This movie was supposed to be shot and made in 65 days. It actually took 159 days, and not including post-production, to make this movie.
1: Well, why didn't someone just recommend they just train the ocean to not give them more time? <laughs>
2: Well, apparently they didn't because another thing they had was because they were filming it, trying to like in the ocean, they would have fishermen boats like just roll up to them. Hey, what are y'all doing? And it would ruin the entire shot. And so awesome. you would see in the background while they're trying to film this, and they're just random sailboats and stuff going in the background. And so they'd have to redo it, or people would, like mis mis you know misconstrued what they were doing and roll. Hey, you need help or something? We catch him. just <laughs> and they had so well, many issues. You catch a shark. Huh? We'll help you catch yeah, the shark. Yeah, it was it was it was ridiculously bad. And remember that nine million dollar budget that I said it was like, oh my gosh, they made nine billion. That budget was actually supposed to be four million dollars, but oh, they had gosh. so much bad and over budgeting that it cost them an additional five, and with three million dollars, was just due to mechanical shark failures, <laughs> whether it be time, whether it be repairs, whether it be motion. Every
0: I, w- I will say, like, looking so I looked up a picture of the great of, of Jaws. He is very menacing and yes. gigantic. I don't know how they thought that there would be no problems in moving that around.
2: I have no idea, but apparently they took this like basically almost a ton shark and they thought they could just shoot it and they'll shoot these
1: are the same people who thought they were going to be able to train an equally big shark <laughs> to do whatever they wanted, but it really so I don't put any of their failures past that that first initial initial stage.
2: That's very yes, interesting. I I know it was. It's... I... And obviously, this is just my, some of the main. My thoughts on
0: this. My thoughts on this film have changed. Dressed.
2: Like I said, this is just the main stuff that I try to throw in for time cons- constraints and everything. There's so much other. Like obviously, they've made documentaries and whatnot else. Documentaries. Like, yeah, documentaries of like actually making the shark. You know, making of Jaws. They've done like a bunch of stuff on here of just how bad it ended up being. We talk about people. And like I said it wasn't even like the directors and stuff were trying to treat her people bad, treat it bad like we hadn't before. It was just they just they just sucked at what they were doing they had no idea what they were doing. Um, <laughs> Alfred
0: Hitchcock meant to treat them badly. These people just had no idea how to use a shark.
2: <laughs> um, and funny because all these failures led Spielberg to basically say years later, this film went from a Japanese Saturday matinee horror flick to more of a, hot, a Hitchcock, "The Less You See, More You Get" thriller. The shark not working end up being a godsend because that's Gadrian kind of mentioned in the beginning. You don't actually see the shark fully until about an hour and 20 minutes. Of this two-hour film so like i said so basically what they do is he kind of transitions from we're going to try to make like I said sharks eating everybody to basically they start making like using the barrels using just generic dorsal fin um basically some of the lighting you said with the way they did like when the wardrobes everything they wanted to leave the color red out except for like the water to reminisce blood like that you see um because essentially the shark just kept failing and so you were never going to see that shark
0: well, if they had just trained one, <laughs> you
2: used to um, like all the time, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of where we get to, like the music from John Williams. Which obviously, I I kind of wrapped it in this, but why though? But it could probably even be about why, though, in itself, of like how iconic the Jaws, not only just the theme song, but the soundtrack and the score in general. Um, this kind of jumpstarts, you know, John Williams' career. He ends up working with Spielberg, I think, for every single movie, except for, like, two for the rest of his career. Um, So, you know, the theme song, everybody knows it. We know what it is. Um, Spielberg has said multiple times over the years, you know, without John Williams' score, Jaws isn't even close to successful as it is, ended up being.
0: Well, I think that that's something that a lot of people... Not a lot of people, but just like now because we're in a culture of filmmaking or we have been in a culture of filmmaking where it's all about show, like how much can I show? Let me show this cool thing in CG. Let me show these really cool effects that you lose a lot of the tension building that happens when you have a score and you you kind of lose an appreciation of that type of skill specifically that someone like John Williams has in building tension and suspense just by his music. I mean I don't know what it was like to watch that back then cuz for me that was just a fun song you sang in a pool but I assume it, it I assume it had a big effect on people like Adrian you said your mom doesn't doesn't want to go into the ocean
1: yeah so yeah I think Matt has this later like this this movie like had yeah. a visceral effect on my family <laughs> like I couldn't go too far yeah. into the ocean as a kid because I thought I was going to get eaten I laughed at her for so many years, but I'm telling you, that dolphin situation really messed me up for the ocean, <laughs> Really messed me up.
2: Um, so we kind of talked about some success. Before we get to another one of some of the coolest success that this movie did, the funny thing is Spielberg, and we talked about production hell, Spielberg actually changed the ending to add that explosion of the shark jaws blowing up when reality was supposed to be a slow death of the shark bleeding out. And it was so bad, Peter eventually uh, was ultimately kicked off the set at the time. Trying to fight because he hated the change so much. Um, eventually, Peter eventually came back and said, "Later, Spielberg made the right decision, et cetera, et cetera." But like, just to add to production hell. Like, it got so bad they kicked the they had to kick the author of the book off the set. Um, so a, few, a few cool things That's that did come suck, out of here, though. Um, huh?
0: That's just gonna suck. Like, I wrote this book, and you all are literally blowing him up instead of how I wanted. And then I feel like I would also be that angry and be escorted off set
2: yeah i mean the funny thing is uh, apparently spielberg the book in the movie is not quite right he basically rips out all the subplots and it takes basically the main direct easy plot uh deep deep sea shark hunt that's it that's all he wanted for this movie <laughs> which we'll get into later of like why that's possibly successful in which um before it, but obviously um since we were out in the ocean we did this um the cameraman bill butner but butler excuse me airman bill but- butler invented would have called a water box and essentially you basically took glass windows and he basically would- and allowed them to actually film stuff uh with the camera submerged underwater which i don't know if the first time but basically that was like one of the first times we really start to see some of this stuff
0: yeah
2: um so that was pretty cool and whatnot came out of it um they also basically, kind of like how we talked about in Jurassic Park, how it had like a one of a kind, um, like no other time marketing campaign. How, I remember, Jurassic Park spent like $14 million and then they spent, you know, um, what was it called? Uh, you know, 100 licensing deals. Question. Yes.
0: When you say marketing and having a marketing campaign like no other, was it better or worse than the Time Mission Impossible set? Uh, news boxes on fire (laughs) no this
2: one's like jurassic park in which it was basically not seen and it was very good um
0: okay
2: they spent nearly two million dollars in marketing for tv slots um which is about 10 million Uh, in today's standards um this was basically unheard of before um they also did like talk shows like the producers author they actually built up hype and used the novel and told people go out read this book you know and check out what movies come in and they did all this stuff way beforehand that by the time the, and they did, like, these 30-second, like, TV ad slots, like, actual trailers and type stuff with John Williams' music playing. And you don't get to see, like, anything like that theme song. And essentially, they built up all this hype for this movie that by the time it got there, everybody's like, I need to go see this movie. And they saw it. And basically, before then, they'd never had this type of marketing campaign. Not that it didn't come on TV, but that just wasn't a way of marketing TV sh- or movies at the time. And it does end up having a lasting effect of all of this. It gets to end up being part of the legacy, which I'll get into probably at the end. Um, does anything have anybody else, any questions about making of the jaws before I kind of get into start the whole effects of all this movie?
1: Um, I think the only question that I have... For the shark itself, um, do they do they model it like legitimately after a great white shark? Like, is it dimensional to a great white shark, or are they were like, "I'm just we're just um, going to build a big ass shark. I don't care how big it is. The bigger the better, kind of thing." Or did they actually like model it? Like, is it like anatomically correct to an actual great white shark?
2: So it is technically anatomically correct, but it's also like at the higher end. Like, basically, they make the LeBron James of sharks. Gotcha. That's perfect. Put that on the shirt.
1: Jaws is the LeBron James of sharks. I love that.
2: Basically, you're not going to see a shark like that usually, but it's not to say it's not impossible.
0: So question, did they want to train the LeBron James of sharks? That's what I'm saying. Is that
1: what they thought they they could do? I just don't get it. Okay. All right. (laughs)
2: Uh, they did technically use another they did actually use real sharks in this movie Um, they were usually the smaller type sharks um, because essentially they got like where they see at the end of the movie where they attack the shark cage and everything so what they did is they got a guy by the name of Carl Rizzle which was very short Um, they got him and put him in a tiny cage and then hoped the sharks would attack the cage
0: (laughs) so they got a tiny man and put him in a tiny
2: cage to then make it look like the sharks were bigger yes that's what they did (laughs) This production, um, I love out of this control, control. Oh, My God. Like, what is going
1: on with <laughs> this movie? And so
0: <laughs> I love this movie. This movie just shot up.
1: And so, and like, can we talk about like what... how like this movie is crazier than One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Who's like literally about <laughs> <laughs> like mental illness? <laughs> what is going on?
2: <laughs> so the funny thing is, apparently Matt Hooper, who's the, the marine biologist in the movie, he's actually apparently he was originally supposed to die in the script in that shark cage. But apparently they had trouble getting the sharks to attack the shark cage because, once again, they don't understand at this time that sharks aren't just running around attacking cages what they see. And so apparently what happened was they were in between post-scenes or whatever, apparently a shark got hit up in the rope, got like got caught up in the rope by the cage, and then it basically kind of half-attacking the shark cage with nobody in it. And they apparently liked the footage because they were just rolling in between the things. They're like, oh, we're just going to keep it, and they rechanged the scene and used that. So that scene is apparently an actual, like, like a reef-type shark attacking a small, tiny cage that's empty that they threw in the movie. Um.
0: Spielberg started rough. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that's how they got it. Um, that's apparently... So that's how the marine biologist <laughs> decided to live. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so kind of moving on to kind of, like, the biggest and last but why, though. We're going to kind of talk about kind of the... Peter Benchley in general, kind of the negative effects that this movie does have. And then we'll kind of wrap it up with some positive and kind of like the actual legacy and how it changed basically Hollywood forever. Um, so we'll start off with, as Adriana mentioned before about his thing, uh, you know, his parents being scarred for life from this movie. Um, his family wasn't unique. Uh, this movie was actually really scary for the time. Um, apparently beach attendance for the entire year afterwards dropped drastically. Um... Nobody wanted to go in the water. Basically, the whole scene of don't go in the water, everybody remembers it. Um, it scared people, anxieties. It basically was, like, the biggest thing they've seen since, as we talked about last week, the shower scene. And it kind of changed people for everything. Um, apparently, obviously, because The Exorcist came out three years or two years before, they started studying, started looking at medical community, started looking at, like, basically what they call cinematic neurosis, where people getting scared of, like, and how much it costs and the stress caused from movies and explicitly, like, horror movies and everything. Not saying it didn't exist with Psycho, but obviously we now are having people actually. No, eat.
0: it's a different type of it's a different type of thing. Like because with Exorcist in '73, you get the first time a film is there to actually make you feel right. terrified and actively like it wants you to throw up in the aisle. Right, it's like that. It's that shock level that you don't reach until you hit the 73s exorcist
2: right um and so apparently you come right back to jaws apparently steve uh, spielberg has said before like he knew this movie was going to be good because one of the test screenings because they started doing test screenings this time somebody actually left them ran out of the movie theater from being scared and threw up all in the lobby from all the stuff and then ran back into the seat he's like oh we got a winner um (laughs) i don't know um but apparently this movie caused basically cinematic neurosis in a 17 year old it was so bad that study happened that basically the day after the filming of the thing she woke up screaming yelling sharks sharks and basically experiencing convulsions um this has been documented um essentially this ended up from this with extras end up in sh- uh, stress studies they did a whole entire one in basically the 80s as we've kind of done with all the slasher films you know where basically this movie, Jaws, because of the tension and the stress and basically the terror we have with this movie, ends up with the likes of, like, Halloween, Friday the 13th and everything. Which is crazy because it comes out, you know, almost five to ten years before some of these movies. And those movies, people are, like, murdering people. And this one's just a, a film where you see a, you don't see a shark for an hour and a half. But
0: the shark is also murdering people. Huh? But the shark is murdering
2: people. Well, correct, but, like, you don't actually see anything for, like, an hour and a half. It's just a lot of build-up and tension. not saying some of these other so, ones don't.
0: I think that that's why Jaws works, because I think, I think if they had trained the shark and you could <laughs> see it in all the deaths, it, it wouldn't be that, that scary. Because I think it, for me at least, when you, and it kind of goes into your next point, is just like, we don't know sharks. We don't see sharks every day. We don't know sharks every day. And so the fact that the majority of the deaths and the uh, the majority of the kills and stuff are happening by an unseen force, and then and then it pops up in the middle of the film, it makes it that much scarier because it's still being killed by something you don't know and you can't see. Versus like Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees, at least in the first ones, are just dudes. So like you know who they are, you know what they are, and so I think that that's why Jaws works that way. And I think had they been able to train a shark and we could see it through all of it, I don't think it would have the same impact because you would have your creature doing things.
2: Yeah, so Adrian, you're not alone in people being terrified of this movie for years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like going under the water, but I'd be lying to say if I, didn't, if I, don't, if I don't get a little a little nervous when uh, my, my feet don't touch the, the floor anymore when I'm in the ocean, <laughs> just just a little bit.
0: My mom read that some sharks could be in eight inches of water, and I remember the first time we went to Corpus after she read that, I was just walking, and it was, like, maybe to my knee, and my mom said she saw a shadow, so she picked me up and ran me to the shore. Okay. So,
2: yeah. Usually, usually if they get in that much, usually they end up beaching themselves, or sometimes with the birds. Most of the sharks can't survive that. Usually you get my to about mom, your hip.
0: I, I don't know, Matt. That was okay. my mom.
2: <laughs>
0: not um, me. I'm not scared of them. My yeah. mom is.
2: But yeah, I mean, that, it, it was a general fear. Like I said, people didn't even go to the beach the next year and all they did was watch a movie. Um, so, as we kind of said, um, this kind of has a very bad, bad negative effect when it comes to conservation and environmental effects of Jaws, a.k.a. the Jaws effect. This is basically an actual term. This is actually basically in studies. Um, we start getting basically kind of these rogue shark policies put in place by governments and, you know, and everything else of where, like, it portrays sharks portraying sharks basically as vengeful seeking revenge um there's so many papers that have been written on this we kind of talk about it in shark week and i'll kind of go over a little bit again for those of you you know new people It's been about on what two years since we did that episode in general um but this thing basically jaws solidified the perception of sharks as quote unquote man eaters um it portrayed like the them the
0: game called man eaters yes
2: um, and like I said, we don't. And at the time, nobody really knows a lot about sharks, and they exist. Um, we don't know what they are. We know that you know some of them be large, some of them be small. I mean, don't, people don't know, and all they know is this movie basically says shark attacks us. Obviously, if you end up seeing some of the later movies like Jaws Revenge, which is probably one of the worst things, and people really condemn that movie because the whole point was that a shark is after a family. Like, it was, it was terrible for the time. Not saying, like, obviously this starts with Jaws 1, but, like, the movies don't get any better. Um, it caused massive fear, and then basically a bunch of people just went out and started hunting sharks for no other reason than that could be a rogue shark getting it. Apparently shark sighting started jumping all over the place. Um, and does of this, sharks were basically slaughtered out of pure fear and stupidity, by the millions. Um, I talked about this before, and I looked at some of the numbers, and they kind of haven't really changed a lot. And obviously they were kind of up to date of basically shark populations have declined by over 50% and almost 90% in some species. Also, I mean, obviously they have like shark fin soup and other fishing and everything else for decades, but, you know, it's an estimated about 100 million on the low end of sharks get murdered per year, up to about almost like 270 million per year, depending on where you fall and what dies. Um, and a lot of this did come from Jaws and the effect it had over years Um, because sharks in general have been portrayed in films as detrimental and negativity you know they always are attacking people and it's basically very impacted shark perception especially for a lot of people that just do not understand about sharks and that's kind of like why I said at the beginning I do enjoy this movie and it's cool and I've had a lot of this movie like really kind of brought my interest into sharks but what it did to actual shark populations is just so detrimental to the ecosystem and how many sharks were killed out of just basically this movie. You this is, this isn't fun anymore. Ape. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's why I kind of
2: did a nice little sandwich. We're going to kind of, we had the th- scariness. We're going to kind of talk a little about ba- the bad stuff a little bit, and I'll wrap it up with some good stuff. Don't worry. Because,
0: <laughs> like, when you take out the apex in a food chain, it it just it just dies, doesn't it? Like, the... The ecosystem just—I
2: mean, it doesn't necessarily die, but in some cases it does. But it definitely is very detrimental to it. And it definitely hurts it, and then basically, you can get different types of species that go out. It—it um, it just sucks, and it does. And which is kind of which we get into, like Peter Benchley. Um, we talk about the arm. Basically, he spent the next—he was basically—he regretted writing Jaws, and he basically felt guilt, and he was so guilty for every jaw for the Jaws and every other shark story he wrote. He became eventually one of the biggest shark defenders for the rest of his life. He wrote nonfiction books about sharks. He wrote about their important ecosystems. He wrote about the misconceptions of humans. And he basically spent the rest of his life trying to undo all the stuff that he did. And he's like, I never, he was like so excited because this was kind of his big breakthrough book, you know, kind of his breakthrough like moment in the movies and stardom. And he realized it just decimated um, he ended up being on the board of the National Council of Environmental Defense. He spoke for ocean pro- programs. He's one of the founding board members for the Bermuda Underwater Exploration Institute. Um, there's Peter Benchley Award for his legacy for ocean conservation. And essentially, he spent the last 40 years dedicated to saving the creatures that he felt so guilty or essentially decimating for that he had no, he never saw it happening. He didn't, it was unintended. He never thought about that in any way.
0: And Steven Spielberg just collecting that bread.
1: Yeah, that's gonna yeah. be my question. Like, I don't want—I don't want to like assume that Steven Spielberg was just pissed because he didn't get like nominated. But like, did he have any of these sentiments, or he was just like, "I'm rolling in the Benjamins, bro"? Like, I—I I don't <laughs> know. If
2: he, I mean, I never found anything about it. Like I said, I know Peter made maybe the big one that comes up. I mean, I'm sure he probably—I don't know how guilty he was because he was just making a film. But like, yeah, Peter Benchley. I
0: to say I'm not to say that filmmakers are dicks, but I feel like Steven Spielberg would be like. Oh, that's cool. My movie had that big of an impact on
2: people.
1: That's what I was also thinking. Steven Spielberg (laughs) is also like.
2: The crazy thing is, Steven Spielberg is like 25 at the time when he's making this movie. So he was definitely
0: like, "Yo, they think my stuff's so cool. They're scared." Probably. I mean, even I mean,
2: even to be fair, Peter Benchley probably, for the most part, probably until like maybe a few years down the line, came out, you know, and figured out and did this. I mean, I wonder.
1: I wonder if keeping like the slow bleed out of the shark would have had like a different effect, right? Like I you spend think it you spend the whole time like watching this thing kill people, and you're like, oh wait, that thing's just like an animal, and now we're watching it like bleed out instead of blowing it up like they do at the end of the movie. I wonder how yeah, different I mean, that would have had an impact.
2: Uh, yeah, probably for I mean, Duff, but I mean, it's kind of I mean, it probably doesn't help like you, Kate, we talked about just a minute ago of like you don't see this animal, and then in real life you can be swimming in sharks are known to swim right by you and you'll never notice and stuff. And, I mean, I've swam with sharks before in a cage before and seen them, and they're just peaceful creatures just swimming along. And a lot of times, unless you're looking for them, they don't, you know, they'll know you're there, but you probably definitely don't know that they're there. So,
0: from what I found, Steven Spielberg hasn't actually said, I don't care. But
2: Steven Spielberg
0: has also not said anything.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there was definitely nothing that popped up of him saying, like, Unless
0: he's, like, secretly donating a lot of money to ocean conservation. I'm gonna assume he's just like, Oh, my stuff had such a big impact. Except, I don't know. As he counts his money.
2: Yeah. Obviously, this jumpstarts Spielberg's career, jumpstarts John Williams' career, Peter Benchley and everything else, and a few you know, and all this stuff. So, yeah, it is what it is. Um, but no, Peter Benchley definitely lived with basically guilt for the rest of his life. And tried to do the best he could to essentially fix what he felt was wrong, what he did wrong. And all he did was write a book. And that's just, like, how crazy, because we do talk about these episodes of, like, what things matter and how they kind of affect real life. This is, to me, probably why we've been at, this is probably the biggest, I mean, I'm sure there might be other movies, but, like, the fact that one movie led to 50% of an entire, like, species, and not even just, like, a single species, but, like, an entire shark, probably even family, being decimated over the years. Yeah. Up to stuff. And, I mean, there's some people that, I mean, obviously, people now... I mean, there's people like me now and even other stuff I know of, some people don't mind, but, like, that hate seeing shark movies because of just basically what Jaws has done in general. Um That's sad. Yeah. I guess to kind of, like, to kind of, for the last part before we get to some fun facts, it's kind of the legacy of Jaws to kind of get Adrian Pet back up, you know, from all the thing. things. Um, what I did find, too, and kind of the way I felt in general watching this movie, as much as this made people a bunch of terrified and stuff... This actually apparently made from a lot of people. I saw their opinions and even talking to them a, a lot of shark biologists, because like me, like obviously it's a terrifying thing, but th- it was fascinating with these creatures. And it's probably the first time I came. I mean, not saying I didn't see sharks and other stuff, but like this is like the very first time, like I guess um, you know, in the public sees sharks in a way, and it was just fascinating. But it's also known to help shark research, whether it be Peter Benchley doing stuff, but just people growing an interest in sharks, and then eventually trying to figure out like are these things revengeful killers are there rogue sharks because one way or another that is technically you'd want to find out and so it's weird because cause I wrote an entire essay from somebody that was uh, shark biologists and basically he talks about jaws we don't want to dismiss it all the way because of how much interest it brought to him and some of his colleagues he knows and then how much research it ends up pursuing just to learn about these basically mysterious creatures and so he, he basically like said like it's funny because he like said like Peter, you shouldn't feel guilty because you basically inspired me to essentially learn about these creatures and do my career on it. So there was some good with this stuff. Um, so it wasn't all bad. I mean, obviously the sharks paid the price for it, but like, it did lead eventually to hopefully we get better stuff. Um, so in other parts of the stuff, kind of going back to like the actual movie and Hollywood and what it did, it changed basically Hollywood's entire business model. Um, it led Hollywood into these high-concept uh movies versus low concept movies which is kind of what we talked about when you made fun of how i explained the movie of these are easily described and marketed movies essentially they're shark attack or you know deep sea hunt adventure that's it um and so you start seeing a lot of these um versus like low concept movie which is a lot basically low concept are like more um character development more subtleties and everything else So they make these, basically how we make fun of blockbusters today of like they're just kind of dumb popcorn flick movies essentially this starts this whole thing and they kind of change their concept and also basically changes hollywood's marketing of this which one they obviously start using more tv more like trailer type stuff but also it puts less emphasis on the print reviews so before apparently what they did is they would release a movie and you'd want all these reviews to come out and people to read the reviews and you want this like slow build of hype through reviews and journalists. well now they said the hell with the We're just gonna put out giant trailers telling people like, check this out, and basically build the hype before the movie comes. And so when the movie gets here, everybody just runs to the box office. Kinda like what we see today, except now obviously now it's on extreme, but like this is the first time you see this stuff in the use of ad advertising, especially in TV and marketing like this. And then obviously it spawns so many man-eater creature flicks, as you've kinda said. We have Orca, which is basically just killer whales, jaws. Um piranha which you said before um
0: piranha 3d 76 percent on Rotten tomatoes well
2: there's a piranha there's a piranha 2 and apparently there's a piranha 3d these were all made like the 70s and 80s it's funny
0: no piranha 3d is 2010
2: well i know but i'm saying like there's actually two other piranha movies that were made like way before this
0: i would assume because that one's 3d
2: my bad (laughs) um they have, like, Mako, the jaws of the death. For those of you who don't know, Mako's another type of shark. It's the fastest shark, and they're a little small. They look cool. Aren't they uh, shark- tiny? Yeah, they're, I mean, they're pretty much. I mean, they're still big compared to us. But, yeah, they're kind of about, like, human size, maybe a little bigger. I mean, they probably have to make 10 feet. But they're definitely not, like, great white size. I mean, you have Barracuda, Alligator, you know, all these weird movies that come out in between the 70s and 80s, it's just creatures. just
0: eaten. Anaconda.
2: That's what I was hmm? going
1: to say. I can't believe, can't believe you left Ice Cube out of this.
2: Well, because that one
1: comes out in the 90s, and
2: all these movies were in the 70s and 80s right after Jaws.
0: Fun fact, Anaconda still slaps. I still really like that movie. It's still so much fun. It holds up. It's pretty
1: pretty good. But then you also have that stuff spawning, like Anaconda versus Megalodon shark thing and Sharknado. So So to be fair, I
2: only (laughs) did like... To be fair, I only did, like, the reasonable ones. I didn't try to go into the other crazy ones. I mean, but, I like, don't think we get Sharknado
1: do. without Jaws, so...
2: <laughs> I mean, probably not. I mean... But, no, you do end up with a lot more creature flick coming forward. You get a lot more stuff. Um,
0: creature features.
2: But, no, um, like I said, um, it's crazy what all it did. Not only just, like said... Because a lot of these movies, you talk about, like, you know, how good the movie did and the impact of the movie itself. But, like, I guess it's cool with me the few times... This and even, like, going to Jurassic Park of, like... It changed, like, not only that, but, like, the marketing of movies and the way things yeah. go. And, like, that, like, we don't even need print reviews. I'll just put a trailer up. <laughs> um, so, that's about all I have for this before some fun facts. Does anybody think, have anything before I get into fun facts? I'm still sad about the sharks. Yeah. Adrian, you got anything?
1: Um, No, I think I'm good.
2: All right. I just keep thinking about like the people who are like, "Let's just train a shark." It was like, "God." It, get, it gets better. We got fun facts. It gets better. Um, fun facts. Um, originally, Dick Richards was was hired to direct this movie, but he kept calling the shark a whale, um, and so they like, well, "You gotta go, man. You gotta
1: go." All right, I'm out. Uh, that's it.
2: <laughs> that's it.
1: F's, F's in the chat for this production crew because that is out of control.
2: Yes, so apparently Dick Richards kept saying it was a whale, describing it as a whale, and they're like, it's a shark. And then they find said, you gotta go. You just can't be here anymore. This is ridiculous. Imagine I don't know if this was like- before or after when they were trying to chain the shark, but apparently they knew they wanted a shark and not a whale.
1: It's, it's just a whale shark a eating whale. everybody. <laughs> Bruce the whale shark just eating everybody with his giant uh. mouth.
2: Um, Stieber, uh, Spielberg did comply with the pr- producer to cast known actors, but he didn't want any big names to be cast in this movie, because he wanted to, everybody to feel like, this could happen to you and me. Um, like, so that's why he kind Well, of... they did! Yeah, he did, yeah, yeah. That's what he wanted. So, he wanted the superstar of the movie to be the shark. And apparently this led with basically Charlton Heston, who kept wanting to play the role of the captain that Roy ends up playing. He actually gets turned down because he's too big of a name, and then apparently Heston throws a fit and he refuses to ever work with Spielberg. totally this movie's wild from the background i know why they made documentaries on this movie i'm like oh my gosh um there's obviously plenty of spin-offs and rip-offs of this movie but i did want to add this one there's one called cruel jaws in which it's an italian rip-off film which was marketed as jaws 5 in which they actually illegally take footage from the other jaws movies and throw it in there
0: (laughs) i love that I want to see it.
2: <laughs> um obviously it's clearly not part of the Jaw thing, but that's what they did. Um there's also one in Japan that was apparently marketed as Psycho Shark. Um
1: <laughs> It's Jason Bateman riding a shark.
0: <laughs> <And> he's just <laughs> No, Patrick Bateman, Jason Bateman's the actor. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah Jason, whoever. <laughs> one of the Batemans is just riding a shark, just stabbing people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um um, as kind of mentioned and kind of briefly, but we didn't touch on, uh, the shark is named Bruce after Spielberg's lawyer, um, Pix, uh, Pixar The shark is
0: Jaws. Huh? The shark is Jaws. That's shark's name.
2: The, yeah, yeah. Um, but they basically, they name all the animatronics named Bruce, um, after, uh, Spielberg's lawyers. Pixar actually pays homage to this in the movie Finding Nemo, which they named the shark Bruce. That is why the shark in Finding Nemo is named Bruce. Um, and as I said, nice. P- huh? And he's nice. Yeah. Uh, Peter Benchley actually has a cameo in the movie. He's the news reporter. Mm. Um, um, Richard Dreyfus um, wasn't the first choice to play Matt Hooper, um, the marine biologist. Um, apparently, John Voight, Jeff Bridges, and Timothy Bott- Bottoms were also offered the role. Um, Dreyfus did kind of like got selected because, as we kind of talked about before, George Lucas, Lucas and Spielberg are friends. So apparently, George Lucas had actually suggested Dreyfus to Spielberg to actually go find and try to hire him. And also apparently Lucas visited the film to check on his friend and they tried to play a prank on him with the anatomic shark, in which he got in it and they tried to close the jaw, exactly like got eaten, and apparently the shark broke and George Lucas got stuck in the shark. And they had to basically take like crowbars and duck and pry it open.
1: If that's not, if that's out of the musical I'm gonna be so upset. <laughs>
0: uh- Actually, I would one... also like to point out, fun fact in a fun fact, John Voight couldn't play a shark expert, but he does play an anaconda expert oh in God. Anaconda, <laughs> uh... starring Jennifer Lopez and Ice Cube.
2: Yeah, apparently they apparently they had problems. The funny thing is, Heston got turned down, but apparently everybody else kept turning them down. Um, apparently. <laughs> Apparently, Roy wasn't even—is uh, it Snyder I believe or Schrader? He wasn't even their first choice. They had to do some other people they looked into. I didn't put the list on. Apparently, one of the people said he'd rather go—he'd rather go f- uh, fish in real life than play a captain in a fish movie. Um, they just couldn't—they had trouble, which is funny because the biggest star wanted to play, but nobody else did. Um, the movie is actually rated PG. <laughs> um, a few shots of the severed legs were actually removed and dropped, so basically dropped the rating from R to PG. Um, because we've talked about four PG thirteen doesn't actually exist until another Spielberg movie Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom come along in 1984, which basically they're like, oh, we need to put some PG middle rating, and that leads to Red Dawn with uh, being the first with Patrick Swayze being the first PG th- thirteen movie, and then we kind of mentioned these terrible sequels and everything, and it's funny because we're now in the age of sequels at this point. And it's terrible, but apparently um, Back to the Future plays kind of a joke give me in a nod to this to where they have if you ever watch the movie uh, marty mcfly when he's being in a chase in the future runs through a hologram shark basically called jaws 19 directed by max spielberg and it has the tagline this is this time it's really really personal basically mocking the revenge of the jaws tagline of this time it's personal and that was obviously making fun of the sequels because at the time nobody likes sequels and then also they were just very bad but yes
0: that's a zero like, percent. Yes, that's, that's <laughs> um, a hard achievement.
2: Put this way, the funny thing is, these are just the fun facts I took because I know we're a little probably going over an hour. Like, you can look up like eighty fun facts of this movie of just how disaster. Apparently, like Richard Dreyfus and Roy hated each other. They didn't get along. Um, apparently, Richard Dreyfus hated the movie. And went on after the movie came out and said, "I hated this stuff. I hate the script, and I hated doing this stuff." It's like, wait a minute, you starred in like the biggest movie of all time, and you hate this? And it's it's.
0: i mean between the first director calling jaws a whale and (laughs) the fact that they wanted to train a live shark i'm not surprised that this was a mess
2: oh and i guess the last fun fact of the thing to wrap this all up in encapsulation: this is called the quote-unquote first summer movie blockbuster right this movie was scheduled to be released in the winter at christmas time but apparently because of all the delays it got pushed all the way back to the summer and that's the only reason it was released in the summer
0: I couldn't imagine a beach movie being released in the winter, though. Like that just well,
2: that was, at the time that was when when all the main movies were released was in Christmas time in the winter. Yeah, and but apparently because of the bad, they went and get it in the summer, and it looked revolutionary. But apparently they just everything fell apart, and it just took them that long <laughs> to make the movie.
0: But really, they were just trying to train a shark, and it just took them that long.
2: Yeah. So all I know from doing this stuff is it was the. Production hell. It was crazy. It was insane. They did a lot of stuff that was unheard of. And apparently they ended up making one of the best movies of all time. All I, that's all I got out of it. Um, but that's about all I have. Um, so, I guess your final thoughts from everybody?
0: My final thoughts is I did not know about Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot I didn't know. <laughs> Um but I actually want to go watch the movie now so I I I'm excited. <laughs>
1: Adrian uh, Yeah, I mean for me, I mean I I knew I mean I know how big jaws is. I know it's like the first summer blockbuster, kind of like the pop culture-y stuff, right? Um and then just from other episodes and other stuff we've talked about before of like the kind of um environmental impact. I did not know that this movie has probably out of the 143 episodes that we've covered probably has one of the worst production histories we've ever gone through <laughs> and it turns out to be one of the biggest movies. So like that's like thing that it's getting me the most. Like this movie matters because it shouldn't have mattered and it shouldn't have been a thing. <laughs> full stop. But somehow they pulled it out just by wife being crazy, but no, it's, it's good. It's good.
0: Jaws matters. Cause they thought they could actually train a great white shark.
2: I, I know. Um, for me, um, I have enjo- I like Jaws. Obviously, I didn't know this much production hell. I knew they had some issues. I knew the animatronics, and everybody kind of knows about that stuff. Um, you know, I knew it was important, but I knew it was important from the negative part. Like I said it's a conflicting thing of like how many sharks have been murdered and slaughtered over the years. Um, like I said, they've had to go back and make shark research, they've made shark i mean movies, documentaries, they've done stuff. They've even had like Mythbusters, you know, busting myths and stuff just to prove, just to try to get through to people that sharks are not evil creatures, they're not revengeful, they're not vengeful at all. And so it's this movie is probably the epitome of double of like, I guess a double-edged sword of like the importance it did, but just how much destruction it ended up doing to the environment and I just, honestly, it just feels weird when I think about it and every time we do this, because, because I know we talk about Shark Week, but just being Peter Benchley and having to live through that and just doing everything. It reminds me of, there was a man, another researcher, and they were trying to do, he was coring trees. And that's how you kind of took the ages of trees. And the core broke one time. And he was determined because he was doing some of the oldest trees, trying to find the oldest tree in the history. And the core broke, and so he couldn't get it out. And so he said, hey, let's just cut this tree down. And whatever did he know, he cut down the oldest tree in history that's been ever recorded. And basically, it ruined his entire life, his entire career. And it sucks, and it bad, and it's looks shameful, but at the end of the day, it was, just a, it was just a mistake of him just doing normal research or something he's done so many times, he just didn't know that he would cut down the oldest. And like I said, Peter Bench, we just tried to write a horror movie, or a book, and he ended up killing being responsible—I mean, well, not even responsible—but you know, end up doing what he did, end up being responsible for millions of deaths.
0: I don't know if you thought that was going to sound hopeful, but that's just really depressing. Oh, Remember
2: that depressing. one time they—they
1: <laughs> they thought that they were going to train a shark, and then the other director called <laughs> it a whale. That's a <laughs> But I am hoping, um, like thinking about like the musical that you talked about of the like, the making of Jaws, all I can think about is like you know the uh, the play episode of American Dad where it's just over-the-top dramatic when they find out about like oh. uh, Stan's dad, I want it to be yeah. exactly like that. Like, have uh, Lucas get into the thing and just have it just be this most dramatic thing ever. <laughs> that's how I want that musical to go.
0: I'd be down with that.
2: Yeah. But that's about all I have now that you guys kind of want to make sure to end this on a positive note. Um, but there you go, Kate. Take us away. <laughs>
0: So at always, you can find us at But Why Though PC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, if you want a chance to win one of four copies of the 45th anniversary limited edition Jaws 4K Ultra HD DVD, follow us, like us, interact with that tweet that we put out, and we will let you know when you get to win, or if you want. Uh, as always if you want to support us a little more go ahead and head over to patreon.com slash but why though pc and you can find me on twitter at oh randier adrian
1: yeah you can find me on twitter at super reese 93 s-u-p-e-r-r-u-i-z
2: 93 matt i'm gonna see if i can train a shark
1: <laughs> name bruce